Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message from our lead pastor, Zion Douglas, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Uh, hey, great to have you here this morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good afternoon. If you're watching this in the afternoon, it's, it's still morning, is it? It's still morning. Yes, it is. That's right. I am still saying good morning to everybody online too. If you don't know, we've uh, started to stream our services online and uh, it, it's really just an extension of what we've been able to do over the lockdown period. But let me tell you, it just opens up an opportunity for us. It means that if you're home, if you've got family that are home, it means that somebody can't make it to church. If you're away, it means that we can still be part of church together. It means that people that, you know, just switch on to uh, a YouTube channel or on Facebook, just click and kind of jump on in. What an amazing uh, tool it is, an opportunity it is to be able to get the word out and to, for, uh, to be able to welcome people in to church. Are you okay? Are you alive? Are you ready for the Word? Fantastic. How about you open up your Bibles this morning? Open them up to John chapter 12, where we'll be reading out of today. But hey, I, this, over this past few weeks, I've been thinking about what I'm going to be sharing this morning. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be focusing on a series. We're going to have a focus on uh, a series this uh, for the next three weeks. And the, the title of the series is It Isn't Wasted. How about you turn to the person next to you and say, It Isn't Wasted. In my notes, it says, It Isn't Wasted. Up there, it says, It's Not Wasted. I'm going to stick with what I wrote down. Amen. I don't care. Awesome. It isn't wasted. Maybe I did put it's not wasted. Who knows? Who knows what I did? So for the next three weeks, we're going to be delving into this, into this thought, which I think is, is so crucial for where we are right now. I've been thinking about this a lot, but I know that we, we, we're not stepping back into what was. We're not going back to how things used to be. Is my, is my mic a little bit? It's okay. We're not going back to how things were in the past. It is a new thing that we're stepping into. And not just because it's just a new thing, but because we've had really three months where everything shut down. I hope you've had a great lockdown and I uh, hope it hasn't affected you too, too seriously. For some, it's affected many in, in, in a large way, but it's a crazy time that we're in. And for us as a church and as individuals, this is an opportunity that we get to realign a lot of things in our lives. I think for right now, people are kind of in their place where so much was taken away in terms of, uh, in, in terms of things that were happening and events and stuff that was going on. But now we get to decide what matters and what doesn't matter. And I felt a strong sense that our relationship with God, as I was just praying into this, this week, our relationship with God can become mostly about church attendance. And, our work, and the church attendance can become just a weekly routine. And our weekly routine can become a weekly inconvenience. And that weekly inconvenience can become simply a waste of time. And I would hope that for all of us today, that we don't view our relationship with God and our time with Him as a waste of time. 
There are a lot of things in life that are a waste of time. Who knows that there are things in life that are a waste of time. Anybody here this morning support the Warriors? I don't mean to offend anybody. I love the Warriors, but yeah, that's right, Denise, you shut it from the rooftops. But for the last couple of weeks, it has seemed like supporting the Warriors is a bit of a waste of time. I don't want to offend anybody online that's viewing from Auckland, but this house of, this is a house of God, and this house of God, we support the Hurricanes. And so anybody that supports the Blues, Lord, Lord, have mercy on your soul. It's a waste of time too. I don't care how many times they win. It's a waste of time. I know for myself that a waste of time can be going to the grocery store without a shopping list. If I go to, a, go to the grocery store without a shopping list, it ends up being a three-hour visit. People think that I'm going to get up my sleeping bag and take, you know, take, uh, put it out for the night because of how long I spend in the grocery store if I don't know exactly what I am getting. I know for sure that, it's a, that a waste of time can be spending your entire day scrolling through social media until you realize that the day is nearly over. I know that a waste of time can look to most wives asking your husband again and telling your husband again that his clothes aren't meant to be left on the ground. But I also know that for a lot of husbands, it can seem like a waste of time reminding your wife that they are not just left on the ground, they are placed on the ground with the intention that tomorrow I will use those clothes again. So I placed them there. It's not, it's not a waste of time, but it can be a waste of time reminding. I know for myself, it was a waste of time watching all six seasons of Lost on TV. I don't know, I don't know if you've watched Lost on TV, but do not watch Lost on TV because they, they, they bring up questions and they have absolutely no answers. Don't, don't watch their TV program, it's, 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 it's terrible. I know for some people here, it may seem like a waste of time to be friends with people that don't love Star Wars. A few awkward moments right there. Maybe you're married to someone who doesn't like Star Wars. We'll pray for that, Jesus' name. We love Star Wars, right? No, resounding no. I could go on. My point is, there is so much in life that can be a waste of time. There are so many things we do, so many events that we can attend. There are so many things that we kind of put our focus into that we kind of look back on and realize that that was such a waste of my time, a waste of my time, a waste of my energy, and most definitely a waste of my talent. And as we move forward together as a church, coming out of a time where the nation was shut down for three months and we're now having to make decisions around what we add back, in, back into our lives. And even more so, we, we need to make a decision what we allow to be the center of our lives. Because I know that as we kind of step into this, there are a lot of things that we weren't able to do for three months that now we have an opportunity to remove some things that are genuinely a waste of time. And but we also have the opportunity to add things to the center of our lives that are not a waste of time. We can so easily allow the things, like I said, the events, the, the workplace situations, the, the family issues, the hobbies, and the, the next thing, big thing that we think deserves our attention to take our eyes off what really matters most. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed. Someone say transformed. Be inwardly transformed 
by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Hear me out. I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that we can either allow our ideals and opinions and preferences to shape our view of God, or we can allow Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out, like we've been talking about for the last few weeks, to see what is truly of worth to Him. And I hope we can all answer that this morning. I hope we can all open our hearts today and ask God, what matters to you? What is a waste of my time and what is not a waste of my time? So for the next three weeks, I want to just focus on three small things or the three things that may seem insignificant to you, but I just want to declare it from the rooftop that these three things are not a waste of our time. How about you open your Bible to, like I said, John, John chapter 12, 1 verse 8. It says there's six days before the Passover Passover celebration began. I can speak English, don't worry. Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from from essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the, with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This first week, I want to, I want to title this message, Your Worship Isn't Wasted. How about you write that down to remind you through the week? Your worship isn't wasted. Did I spell it up? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Your worship isn't wasted. Your worship isn't wasted. Everybody here, no. I'm going to be saying it quite a few times this morning. Your worship isn't wasted. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time that we have together. Would you anoint my words? Let it be your words that come forth and enter into the hearts of people and let my words fall to the ground. We thank you. We love you. We, we, we lay our lives before you. And we just pray this morning that our hearts can be aligned with yours today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like most people, coming out of high school was a pretty bizarre time in my life. It kind of seemed in that time, I know there are going to be many more times in the future where it seems like everything is a little bit in limbo, but for this time in particular, coming out of high school, it seemed like my life was kind of just up in the air. I don't want to speak too much about myself, but I'll get to the point soon. I know that for all of us, and for most of us, you know, we go through kindergarten, we go through primary school, we go through intermediate, then we go through high school, and we spend all this year trying to figure out all the skills and the things and all the stuff that we're meant to use to be able to propel us into our future. I know we've got a lot of teachers here at Life Church, and I think you're the best people in the world, so don't get me wrong on that. But for myself, I thought that when I finished school, I thought that I was just going to be a blonk and go straight into what I thought I was meant to be doing. 
But I remember a couple of years in, finding myself in a place where I realized very quickly, I have no idea really what I'm doing. I knew what I was supposed to be doing. I had a call from God. I felt God very strongly saying to me to build the house, to stay planted in Palmerston North, to be able to use my life, to be able to, you know, to, to speak the gospel, to love people, and to help people have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's really what I wanted to spend my time doing. But from the outside looking in, it probably looked like to many people, and certainly my close friends, that Zion is just really wasting a lot of his time. I remember I was working part-time in retail, and so God bless to anybody that works in retail, I feel you. And so I was spending my time doing that and volunteering a lot of my time here at church. And I remember some friends came and sat me down. Well, they didn't really sit me down, but we're kind of around and having dinner. And my friend said to me, Zion, what are you doing with your life? What are you, what are you kind of doing with your life? Were, were, you, were you going? Because the implication was that they thought that what I knew, what I was, I knew what I was supposed to be doing, but from their perspective, they thought that what I was doing was a waste of time, was a waste of my time. And so there are going to be things that to other people appear to be a waste, but we need to make sure for ourselves that we know what matters and we know that what is not a waste of time. You follow me this morning? And in this story that we just read before, it's also said in Matthew and Mark, the same story is recounted of Mary and Jesus. But the amazing thing about it is we kind of see this similar sort of situation when we have Judas saying to Mary and to Jesus, what you are doing is a waste. Matthew 26, 7 to 10, it says, while he was eating, a woman came with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant. They were indignant. When they saw this, what a waste, they said. What a waste. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But we realized that Judas didn't actually really want to be generous to the poor. He just really was, uh, you know, he just really wanted to take it for himself. In verse 10, but Jesus, aware of, of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? And if we're not careful, church, we can become people that are exactly like Judas, it won't be obvious. It won't always be kind of a thing that we realize and people, you know, kind of look at us and say, you're kind of sounding a little bit at Judasy at the moment. It won't be overt like that, but there are times when our lives and the way that we talk and the way that we think about our relationship with Jesus can become exactly the way that, Jesus, that Judas looked at it too. I mean, we can have a, have a picture of God and picture of church, and we can, we can think to ourselves, why am I spending so much time on this when I could be over here doing this? There's lawns that need to be mowed at home. We turn up on Sunday, and, and, and we, we, we just think, oh, I've already seen enough people this week. Why do I need to be here? We can ask ourselves, why I lift my hands when he already knows what I'm thinking? If he already knows what I'm thinking, he already knows I'm going to you know, lift the hands and say a few words, and it's going to be great. Why does he need me to do that? You know, he already knows everything, right? You can ask ourselves, what's the point in singing this song when I've already sung it last week? Does God have short-term memory loss? Does God not remember what I said last week? And uh, we can kind of be like, well, what a waste of time kind of singing this song again. I don't even like this song. I don't even appreciate the words. I'm pretty sure this theology is off. Why am I even singing all these words? I mean, what's going on? Why am I even here? What is life? You know, we can, anyway. But we need to know that when it comes to worship, it's not a waste. When we worship God, it's not a waste of our time. It's not a waste of our energy. 
and it's not a waste of who we are. We know from this passage, it was right before when Judas betrayed Jesus. It was right before Judas went off and betrayed Jesus by selling him off for some coins, for some silver. And the amazing thing about that is that this comes right at the end of Jesus' ministry. Judas had been with Jesus the whole time. Now, I need you to catch this because it's really important for us to kind of get into an understanding of how Judas could come to this point. Judas had been in the presence of Jesus for three years. For three years, Judas had been with Jesus. I hope this really sticks with you. He had listened to the teachings of Jesus. He had seen the miracles of Jesus. Like he, had, he was literally there. He didn't read it in a book. He was literally present when he saw Jesus performing miracles. He had been in fellowship with Jesus. Like he wasn't just kind of, you know, kind of just on the outskirts. He was actually close with Jesus. He would have been hanging out with Jesus all the time. He had been in enough prayer meetings that would outdo anybody in this room. He had been right in the thick of it the whole time. But let me tell you that even after all this time spent with Jesus, seeing all the things that Jesus did, hearing all the stuff that Jesus said, after all this time, three years, Judas remained exactly as he was before. He was a sinful man in the beginning, and three years after being with him, he was still a sinful man still. I think for, for most of us here, we need to understand that that can be us if we don't really analyze what is going on within us. You can be in church this morning. You can, you can walk in and sit in your favorite seat. You can, you can be kind of joining in with the songs and, and singing them away. And you can be going to life group faithfully every single week. You can even turn up to the, the prayer meeting beforehand or join in and be part of the team serving here on a Sunday. But the amazing thing is that you can do all of that. You can hear the words. You can sing the songs. You may be part of the moment, even being in the presence of God, but not allowing the presence of God to change you. We can be in the presence of God, but not allowing the presence of God to get within us. Do you hear me this morning? Are we alive this morning? Psalm 150 paints an amazing thing of what we're meant to do when it comes to worship and praise. I mean, I just, I just really hope that you hear my heart this morning, that we don't just kind of go through the motions. I've said this before, but we don't just go along with just doing church on a Sunday and then ticking, it off at the, ticking, ticking that box off. But we allow this to be a place where we open up our hearts and engage when it comes to worshiping and being in the presence of God. Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequal greatness. Praise Him, now probably some people might not like this, but praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. I've never heard a blast of a ram's horn, I don't think, on a Sunday service, but we shall get to that eventually. Praise Him with the lyre and harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. I, that's probably not ideal if I started doing that on a Sunday morning. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I hope that this would be a place on a Sunday and for our lives personally through the week that we can live a life 
that says that I will not just waste my time on things that don't matter and remove the things that do matter. I will live a life that says that worship is not a waste. And for Mary, this, this wasn't a waste. For, for, for Mary, this, this wasn't a waste of her time. First of all, it was, it was humble what she did. When she came to Jesus, it was humble. Usually it was the servants that came and washed the feet of the, of the guests. It wasn't the person that owned the home. But she washed the feet of Jesus. Judas was probably sitting back in his seat indignant, but Mary was on her hands and knees at the feet of Jesus. She didn't just wash his face and wash his hair and kind of look after the good stuff. He, she went right down to the feet, the feet that had been walking through the dud and the, the, dirt, the, the, dirt, the dirt and the mud. She went right down to where it was indignant. We need to know who Jesus is. To see him properly. To proper, pro- properly. We need to see Jesus for who he is. And only then will we really understand how great he is and how much our worship has meaning and worth. Philippians 2 says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of the highest honor, Highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Where does he rank in your life? Is he the name above all other names in your life or is he just a part of your life? Is he just another gadget on the utility belt of your life or is he central to everything that you are? Let me tell you that we need to be people that place Jesus to where he truly, truly is. We need to have a revelation this week, every day on how great Jesus is. The second thing that, uh, that it was when, when Mary came to Jesus, it was extreme. It wasn't normal. It, w- it wasn't just an average thing that she did. It was an extreme act that she did. The perfume that she used was worth a year's wages for, for a workman. You put that in today's terms, it could be more than $40,000 this perfume would, be, would cost. What an amazing thing it is. I mean, if you this morning came with something that was worth $40,000 and you said, I'm going to give this to Jesus. I don't know how you'd do that because he's not actually, you know, physically. Anyway. But I wonder how much worth he has in your life. I wonder how extreme that we can be in our own lives when we worship Jesus. Or are are there times where it's just too much? Are Are there things that were just, no, that's way too far for me? I wonder what it is for you. Maybe worshiping to the extreme might be just today or next week or through the week just lifting one hand in worship. Maybe that's extreme for you. Maybe it's lifting two hands in worship. Maybe it's just singing as loud as you can and not caring about anybody else really and what's going on even though you've got a terrible voice. He's going to let it out for Jesus. Maybe that's extreme for you. Maybe it's a bit uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's turning off the talkback radio as you drive to work and turning on to worship music instead. What is it to you? What 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 would it be for you to be uncomfortable, to take it to an extreme that you are not comfortable with? The third thing it was to Mary, it was unselfconscious. She wasn't thinking about herself. She was just thinking about Jesus. Mary wasn't looking at this time to impress anybody. She wasn't trying to woo anybody that was in the room. Mary was just doing this wholeheartedly for Jesus. What she did was she didn't just get out a sponge and wipe her her hair, wipe wipe his feet. She took her own hair and used her own hair to wash the feet of Jesus. That wasn't normal back then, I'll tell you, and it isn't normal today. 
It was something that she did because she just said, this isn't about me. This is just about making Jesus and giving what he deserves most. On this morning, if we can be people that magnify Jesus, this isn't a church that just is, is about a name or a brand or an event or a service or a person. Oh, I pray that this can be a place where the name of Jesus is magnified. We don't do this just to kind of make ourselves look good. We, we, we do all of this to create an environment where people can meet with their personal Savior. That's what this is all about. Can I get an amen? I believe that it deserves an amen. This wasn't her moment. This was a moment for her to put all the attention onto Jesus. The fourth thing it was, it was releasing. It was a releasing moment when she worshipped Jesus with this perfume. It didn't just, it didn't just kind of go on the feet of Jesus. It spread, the Bible says, it permeated throughout the entire room. And I'm sure that it got on everybody in that moment. All that perfume that went, to, it went on into the room, it got on everybody. And I'd hope this morning that as you go into where you're going this afternoon or through this week, that you can be somebody that carries the presence of Jesus, carries the presence of the Holy Spirit into wherever you go. That we don't just come to have a good time, we come to take what we have in the presence of God into our world that we live. I wonder if you smell differently. I wonder if your life smells differently when you get into the presence of God, when you worship Jesus. There should be a smell about your worship. There should be a smell attached to when you leave this place on a Sunday that says, I have been in the presence of Jesus. I have been in his presence. And this morning I wanted to speak about quickly six times that our worship is not wasted. Six times that our worship isn't wasted. I've got a few more minutes, and so I'm going to go through these really quickly. Is this okay? So the first time, the first time that our worship isn't wasted is in the time of waiting. Our worship isn't wasted in the time of, wait, uh, of waiting. I know for many people this morning, people are in a, in a time of waiting. People are in a time of figuring out what's next. Perhaps you're in a crossroads. Perhaps you don't know what's coming. Perhaps you're in this moment, you're in the middle of everything. But I want you to know that your worship isn't wasted when you're waiting. A gospel singer said, he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. There is a purpose for when you're waiting, and that waiting can be waiting on Him. When, Jesus, when Moses would go to the tent of meeting, all the people would kind of get out of their tent and, and, and watch as Moses would go in. But the amazing thing, it says in Exodus 33, that a young man called Joshua would wait in the tent. It was an amazing thing because everybody else kind of just moved on with everything that was going on. Everybody else, you know, the, the, the story goes on to say how uh, they, they went into the, into the promised land and some came back and says, we're only as grasshoppers in their eyes. But for Joshua, there was something that happened in his life when he decided to wait in the presence of God. The second thing, the second time that our worship isn't wasted is in the time of isolation. 
the time of isolation. Can I have the team up? That would be awesome. A lot of people go through times of isolation. And I want you to know that you're not alone in this time. Everybody, I, I've, I've, sp- I've spoken to, 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 to young people and, and, and older people, and the amazing thing is, is that there are so many that go through a time where they feel like just nobody understands. I remember for myself and, you know, in, in moments through this year, myself and Sophie, we've, uh, you know, stepped into a new role and we've been really loved and ama- been amazed by all the love and support that we've gotten. But there have been times where we know for sure that we've kind of just looked around and, and know that really just no, nobody understands really what we're going through. And for, for many of us, we can be in this place where we feel like we are the only ones that are going through what we're going through. We're alone. We, 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 there's nobody else really that can empathize with us. But for you this morning, know that he is with you in that time. The third thing, the third time that our worship isn't wasted is in the time of pressure. The time of pressure. Amazing story of Daniel when he was under so much pressure. And King Darius, were, uh, there, there was a, there was a uh, decree at the time of Daniel where uh, the, 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 some officials said that you, uh, the officials at the time said that you're only allowed to worship Darius and nobody else. But what did Darius do? What did, what did Daniel do? He was under so much pressure to choose what he was going to do. But instead of slinking away, instead of putting himself into a place where he said, no, I don't want, I don't want to do anything. He put himself on the balcony. It says in Daniel 16, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room and its windows opened toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. The fourth time that we are, that our worship isn't wasted, is in the time of pain. The time of pain. The Bible tells us about the story of Job. And Job had pain more than we could ever imagine. It says that the devil came and he initiated the, 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 the taking away, the killing of all his oxen and all of his cattle. The donkeys, the, the sheep, the camels, they were all killed and they were all stolen. Then all his servants, but one, were killed by another raiding party that came through. Then another messenger came through and gave him even more bad news. A messenger came to him and said, a strong wind blew and all your children were inside. And your children were in there and it collapsed and all your children had perished. It collapsed and killed all of them. Job lost all his possessions. Job lost all his legacy in that moment. But look at what it says just straight after this in Job chapter 1 verse 20. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Amazing thing. The thing he decided to do when he was in so much pain is that he decided that he was going to worship. The fifth time where our worship isn't wasted is in the time of lack. And there are going to be times where it seems that we don't have enough. 
There'll be times when it feels like things just aren't going our way, that we don't have what we really need to have. And I won't really go into this because of, for, for the lack of time. But what I do want to say is that even when there is nothing, nothing is left of you, there is always enough of Him. He is always with you. There will never going to be a time where you don't have enough when you have God with you. Habakkuk 3 says, Even though the fig tree has no blossoms, and there are no, not grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even in your lack, even when you don't have enough, He is still enough and your worship isn't wasted. And number six, the last thing of, thank you team, your worship isn't wasted in the time of doubt. There'll be many times, I believe, many times represented here where people have gone through a season of doubt. Not just if God is real or, or anything like that, but doubting if He really means what He says. Doubting the fact that He is with you. Doubting the fact that He loves you. Doubting the fact that you are His child. And we can go through these moments, but what I want to tell you and want to really express you in these moments other moments where we can stand not on our feelings because feelings our feelings aren't what we what draws us to worship, but it's the truth that we worship from. We don't worship because it feels good, and we don't worship because we, you know, just want to kind of make our make ourselves feel like everything's amazing. We worship because we know what the truth is. Charles Spurgeon says, nothing teaches us about the preciousness of the Creator as much as when we learn the emptiness of everything else. He is a good God and He loves you and He cares for you and He is with us right now. But there will never be a time just like this woman where she poured it all out, where it isn't a waste of your time, your energy, your focus, your resource to be able to worship Him with everything you have. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe, or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.